but pen and paper that is yeah. the one that's probably been mentioned the most for various well, reasons that's good because i thought i was going to be really weird in like 1982 <laughs> that's good that makes me feel fine <laughs> it's just it's retro it's it's very modern you know <laughs> yeah yeah power to live more with joe dodds welcome to the power to live more podcast all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more. And by that, I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Laura Willis of Shine Offline. Joe and Laura met through the Engage for Success movement where Joe hosts a weekly live podcast and Laura is booked in to join her on it in September. When Joe found out a bit more about what Laura does and how her business began, she realised that she'd make a great guest on this podcast too. A PR and marketing professional who was self-employed for 10 years, Laura launched Shine Offline in January 2016 with the aim of empowering people with the insight and skills to manage their digital technology in their lives in a more mindful way. The idea was born through her own experience of struggling to find a work-slash-life balance and resulting burnout. Laura is now working with her colleagues to deliver sessions for teams to workshop the impact digital technology is having on their lives and discover ways to to disconnect in order to better connect with themselves and the world around them. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Laura Willis of Shine Offline. Welcome, Laura. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Joe. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. And uh, just telling you that I saw some snow out of the window. It's the end of April, <laughs> but it's stopped now. So I know. Well, I, we, it hasn't reached us yet. It's still sunny here. <laughs> and there we were thinking it was nearly the summer. <laughs> so start by telling us a bit about you, what you do and where you do it. Okay. Uh, well, my name's Laura Willis, and I'm originally from Northern Ireland, as you'll hear. Um, and I, my background is I was a self-employed PR, marketing, and events consultant working from home for about nine years. Um, and very recently, in January, I launched a new business that has been inspired from my experience of not really being able to manage my work-life balance working from home and um, a couple of episodes of what you could call burnouts that happened to me um, over the past few years. So um, I've now, I'm now in a fortunate position of actually working in an office, which hasn't happened for a long time, so my life feels quite different. Um, I'm still married to a man who works from home, so he's a graphic designer and um, spends all day in front of the screen. Um, <laughs> but he, he's very good at managing his time. He's the cook in our house, so... 
Um, I get a lovely mail from me every night, and he, when he's waiting for, he's a graphic designer, so when he's waiting for sign off from a, a job, he can step away and go into the kitchen and get the cooking on, which is super. Lovely. Um, doesn't quite work yeah. like that in our house. I, I don't quite get away from the computer in time to do the cooking, <laughs> so I won't play this this particular podcast to my husband. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. I think I'm quite rare in that sense. <laughs> so, talk us through then. So you you currently don't work from home having done this a lot in the past and it's the reason you don't and your new business are all very sort of intertwined so tell us a bit more about that journey for you okay well um i went out on my own uh, about nine years ago i was living in um, northern ireland with my english husband and decided that having been in uh, pr marketing for many years as an employee that i wanted to do my own thing so um he decided around the same time that he also wanted to go out on his own. So we ended up both working from home um, as two self-employed consultants. And the great thing was that we were able to collaborate a lot on projects. We worked together as well, which is cool. Um, and then I was actually, we'd moved back to Northern Ireland from London where we had met because my father was unwell. He had um, early onset Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And we'd gone back to help my mum. Um, and it was great because we were both self-employed, so we were managing our own schedules, and we were there to help mum, who they only lived up the road. We were there to help them um, as and when she needed us. So the flexibility was super. Um, and then dad got, he was at home the whole time that he was unwell, um, but he got to the stage where we weren't really of much use to him, and they were having full-time carers coming in. And um, at that point, Ben and I decided we really, we'd been back for about five years in Northern Ireland and the businesses were going well, but we wanted to move back to London because we really missed it. all his family, a lot of friends were here. So we moved, we made the decision to come back and we'd only been back in London about two weeks and I was actually due to get on a plane to fly back to Northern Ireland for a client meeting and my father died that morning. So... Um, I happened to be on the plane anyway and got back and was then back in Northern Ireland for a couple of weeks um, for the funeral and all the rest of it. But then I was a bit all muddled because we'd only literally moved back to London and I wasn't sure what to do. Came back to London anyway and then hit a bit of a low and um, was all over the place. I'd always been quite anxious around my work and quite stressed anyway and the working from home thing had been a bit of a struggle but I was finding it really difficult. and I was feeling really, really anxious. So I ended up one night Googling stress management or something. And um, a Google talk came up by a meditation teacher who's sort of the godfather of evidence-based um, mindfulness meditation in the States. His name's John Kabat-Zinn. And I watched the video. He was talking to Google staff at their annual conference. And it was all about living in the moment and... Um, the power of now and I was really inspired because I was somebody who was always preoccupied with the future, always worrying about when the next project was going to come in, where the next money was going to come in and um, this concept was just mind-boggling for me and that started me on a journey through some meditation and I did an eight-week course and I went to a couple of conferences and I started to meditate We're using the Headspace app on my own and I found it really helpful. Um, the years passed uh, the business continued to develop. I was still living in London, but most of my work was in Northern Ireland. I spent a lot of my time working within the arts and culture sectors, and um, there had been a lot of funding put into Northern Ireland, and they'd also won UK City of Culture, so I was inundated with projects, back and forward like a yo-yo um, on the plane. Um, 
I used to, I'm sure a lot of people who work from home can relate to this, I used to get up in the morning and um, go for a run and I would get back from my run and I'd check my email and then I'd um, get in the shower and I'd come out of the shower and in my towel I'd check my email and then I'd get dried and then I'd get dressed and then I'd check, I was constantly, <laughs> there was the, yeah. the, the break, the, the movement away from the, the computer and the constant need for knowing what was happening next. Um, either waiting for a client to confirm something or waiting for a journalist to say they'd write an article or waiting for approval on a piece of artwork. It was just constant and that would have caused a lot of anxiety for me. So that was ongoing. Um, and then I had um, that I had my little girl, who, she's now three and a half. And um, I fortunately um, met a PR consultant locally who was able to come on board whenever I got really busy and help me out on projects. So for maternity cover, I was able to um, go off for about four months, but it got really, really busy quite quickly again. And Sadie was at home. She was only four months old. But because my husband was working from home as well, we sort of managed to throw her around the house between us. And um, I went back to work at four months and sort of managed it, although I think I had 12 projects on at once. Wow. But Anna, who um, was the, girl, the local consultant who um, came on board with me, um, she was brilliant and she's actually now part of the business. She had worked from home herself for many years and she is now um, my business partner at Shine Offline, but we'll come on to that later. So anyway, I got, went, decided I had to go back to work when Sadie was four months old and I think I dealt with it okay looking back, but the meditation had fallen by the wayside um, and I was flying backwards and forwards to Northern Ireland still, doing too many projects at once. My husband's very supportive and very available and that was great. But then when Sadie was about nine months old, she started to have seizures just out of the blue and um, looking back now I can see that that was the straw that broke the camel's back and at that point I realised um, I couldn't do everything and I um, had a real burnout and hit a real low and I went to the GP and we spoke about my sleep was well off track that was the worst thing I just my insomnia got really really bad and um, the GP we had a chat and we talked about meditation and he said oh, we should maybe join a, a meditation group to keep the momentum going. A lot of people find that that really helps and the best with the meditation are quite similar to CBT. So I happened to find a group that was on that night in Twickenham where I live and um, I went along and I was so nervous but I went and it was two hours long. I'd only meditated for about 10 minutes before <laughs> um, but it was brilliant and I've been going ever since. So. That started to get me back on track and in the meantime, um, the whole grey area of working from home and my, having my smartphone, were, um, which was my work phone, my personal phone, it was never off. Um, I remember going on honeymoon and not taking the phone and feeling completely amazing for two weeks because I had no phone with me and always harking back to that but this constant, I was on all the time. Um, and especially after my daughter was born, I became much more aware of my own behaviour around the technology in my life and the work and personal, it was just all the same, it was one big clump and it, it really stressed me out. So I started to make some changes um, I got a, another phone, so I had a work phone and a personal phone which meant I could turn one or the other off if that's what I needed to. Mm. Um, I took the email off my phone, so if I wanted to access email, I had to go onto my laptop. I came off Facebook because I never really enjoyed being on it anyway, and I could find that 
especially being self-employed, I could get go online and then just be on, just end up lost in this Facebook puzzle model. Yeah. Um, so I came off Facebook and some of these changes started to um, really, I could really feel the benefits of them. Um, and then over a period of about six months, I had friends and family um, in conversations, either bumping into them on the train or um, out for dinner. We would get chatting about tech and how prevalent it was and how connected they felt and how they couldn't get a break. And I started to share some of the stuff that I was doing with them. And people were listening to me and really like, oh, that's quite a good idea, and taking the ideas on board. And then coming back to me to say, I've done that and it's really helped me. Thanks so much. And I was thinking, oh, this is really good because I've got a background in psychology. Um, I studied social psychology and I've always had an interest in people and um, well-being and so I thought, oh, I'm starting to help people here, this is great, as a bit of a sideline. And then I was fortunate to win a piece of work for the Guardian and um, so I had to travel in and out of London for, this is last May, I was travelling in and out of London um, days a week, which is lovely because I got to go into an office space and work with other people, which is amazing. Um, but on the commute, which I'd not done in years, I noticed that everybody was on their phones constantly. And because I don't have anything on my phone and I don't have I'm not on Facebook, um, and I was proactively trying to meditate, I wouldn't necessarily have had my phone in my hand, but I noticed that I was quite unusual in that sense. Um, and it just started to really strike me everywhere I looked, everybody was on their phones and I'd not really noticed it before. And then one day I was travelling back from, um, I was travelling into the Guardian morning, and I was sitting beside a girl who was about my age um, and she, she had a wedding ring on, she looked like she probably had kids and she was on her phone and she was just flitting in between Facebook and her calendar and her photos and her email and she wasn't taking any time, it was just constant but there was no sort of method to it. And it made me feel quite agitated for myself. Um, and I thought, God, how must that make you feel? You know, I'm only watching you doing it. <laughs> um, and then the commute on the way home, I sat beside a bloke who was on, who was watching Sherlock Holmes on the iPlayer on his iPad. And he was playing solitaire at the same time on his phone. <laughs> and I just looked at him and, I, and in my head I said to myself, switch off and slow down. And then I was like, oh, maybe that, maybe that's, I always, I've had a sense for a while that there was something, a bit, a bit of greater purpose out there for me, that there was something more that I should be doing. Um, and I thought maybe that's what it is meant to be doing. So I'd become quite interested in the digital detox world. Um, in America, it's become quite fashionable for people to disconnect from their technology and go away and have a break on holiday and there are special camps that have been set up and people um, go away. You're anonymous, you don't talk about your work. Um, you get given like a nickname, um, it's all very natural, um, you sleep in like huts and you meditate and you spend time in the open air and um, I was really inspired by that and then that just got me thinking maybe there's something around the detox space that could be of benefit and the meditation has had such a profound impact on me that maybe there's something in it. So within a couple of weeks I was sort of had researched it a bit, I'd spoken to a few people who were working within the either the training or the productivity sectors um, and quite quickly realised that I should probably just go for it. Um, so um, my friend Anna, who'd been working with me for years, came on board um, as a business partner and a, another couple, um, 
another couple of guys that I know also came in and there, sort of the business side of things, and um, we piloted what was it initially going to be an offline day. So the idea was that um, we wanted to to work with the consumer and the corporate market because we wanted individuals to be able to benefit from it as well. But as time passed, the more research we did, we realized it would probably be more beneficial for teams to experience um, the learning. So we did an offline day where we invited about 20 PR consultants down um, who worked for a couple of agencies and they checked their phones in and they had a day of workshopping the relationship they have with the tech in their lives. Starting to appreciate the impact that it's having on their well-being, productivity, their work-life balance. Um, some introduction to meditation because with the rise in all this distraction and connectivity and we're all over the place, there's also this rise in mindfulness and for us it's no coincidence because people are craving focus and clarity. So we did an overview on introduction to mindfulness and then the rest of the day was essentially spent, phones were checked in, laptops were checked in and people were allowed to basically remember what it's like to just live without those distractions all the time. So we had a creative cookery session, we had a session in the forest, it was just before Christmas so people made Christmas decorations out of stuff that they found on the forest floor. Um, we had time for reflection. Um, we met back at the, we lit a bonfire and we met back at the end of the day and people fed back how they felt and it was really, really positive. Um, and since then we have, that was in December, we've now developed it on the back of feedback where we are tailoring shorter sessions um, of between one and a half hours to sort of half day learning. Um, and so far, so good, going to take up some really positive and we're delivering some stuff for Disney at the moment and um, business in the community and we've had meetings with lots of big companies um, but obviously processes take, a, take longer in large corporate organizations so we're sort of sitting on our hands waiting yeah. for, um, well the e I'm trying not to check my inbox every two minutes as I'm standing <laughs> offline. But I was going to say, is um, the, um, the request for shorter sessions because they don't want to go too long between uh, checking their email? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's actually very interesting. No, it's not. Um, although we'll we'll see um, if if that comes into it. No, it was more that um, the HR departments in companies said um, people don't want either either whether or not they're like it's down to senior management or whether or not it's down to the individuals. But people don't want to be out of the day out of the office for too long, so they want to learn stuff in short sessions. Yeah. Um, so we've managed to be able to put something really tight together, um, and it's basically. What's the relationship you have at the moment? Um, what impact do you think it's having? And there's so much research and evidence now. We were at a conference last week in London about e-resilience, and there are a lot of academics at the moment researching the impact that, and this is so so important as well for people who are working from home because there's, a, there's quite a lot of isolation that can go whenever you're sitting on your own all day, and whenever email becomes your main form of communication, um, the emotional and psychological impacts that that can have. A, if you're inundated, or B, if you're waiting around for people to get back to you, um, it's starting to, to, people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, and from a personal point of view, I know this shine offline has come on the back of me knowing that I have not a problem with it, but I know that it's a very complex relationship. And um, yeah. now, now that I'm not working from home, I'm able to leave my laptop in the office every night because yeah. if I take it home with me, I will probably 
I'll turn it off, but I'll probably turn it on three or four times throughout the evening. Yeah. Because the anticipation of knowing what's in the inbox is just so strong for me. Yeah. Um, and I know that I'm not unusual in that way. No, exactly. I do. I, I mean, there has been lots of research, hasn't there, about um, dopamine hits of of um, emails and messages on social media and so on. That that um, you know, in your brain, the the dopamine comes comes in. I'm not technical enough to explain how it all works, but um, that's the sort of hormone that that um, uh, is about sort of gratification, isn't it? So you you open your emails and you get that hit of dopamine. And so you 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 know that encourages you in a physiological way to to keep doing it. So it's not just about um, you know thinking about it or not thinking about it or whatever. It's actually physio- physiologically things are happening to you that you can't exactly. control, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I it's think the, I thought um, it, it's compared to this. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, you can. I was just going to say this compared it to um, slot slot machine psychology. Right. Um, it's the randomization of it. So whenever you play a slot machine, if every time you didn't win or every time you did win, you would your your behaviour would be different. But because it's random, you keep going. Yeah. And with um, stuff like mobile tech um, or any any ICT, because when you go into your to refresh your email to see what's there, it's like who knows? It could be an amazing piece of work. It could be a really lovely bit of good news. It could be junk. But the randomization of it just encourages you to keep going, and it's like gambling. Yeah. Um, so um, there's a guy who's very, he's sort of like the, the godfather of the digital detox movement in the States. And um, he's been working within this, he came from the Silicon Valley and had a breakdown. Um, and actually, no, he ended up having an internal beating, but didn't realize because he was that busy on Twitter. And ended up changing his whole life and went on retreat for six months to India and all the rest of it. And he talks about um, being kind to yourself when it comes to the relationship that you have with your smartphone or your inbox or whatever because the people who are now working for Google and Microsoft and all the other big companies are the people who used to cure cancer. Yeah. And they're, they're the smartest people in the world and their job is to make us distracted, make us con- want to connect all the time. So it's no wonder that everybody's sitting with their phones in their hands because yeah. it's somebody's job to make us do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, sort of, I mean, I I do a lot of stuff with technology. I use my phone a lot, and and I I believe a smartphone is actually one of the the tools that is is really important around sort of things like organisation, productivity, and so on, um, if used in the right way. And I think um, it's interesting. A lot of people who know me, probably family, would probably say that I spend far too much time on my phone. Um, and you know that I'm addicted to it and all those other things but it's interesting I've through all the social and digital transformation I've always talked about uh, social and digital tools as being just that that they are tools to do the things that you need to do and that you know if you're using them in the right way for the right reasons and, and managing that if you like it's different to doing stuff just because as you said because it's sort of ingrained it's it's subconscious or or whatever and I I can still see that I do do that you know there are times that I don't know check I check Facebook and I know there's no need to um you know I could have just not (laughs) um but, but I do think that um uh when people who see me using the phone think I'm using it because I'm addicted to it a lot of the time as I, I explain to them is I don't know if I there's a bit of downtime somewhere I'd rather just sort out a few bits and pieces whilst I can and there's nothing else to do um, than spend, oh, my voice is going, 
than spend, you know, another half an hour later in the day catching up on emails that I could have dealt with when I was, I don't know, in the in the queue for the bank or something sort of thing. And uh, and the thing is, you don't know when you're looking at people using technology, like you gave that example of that, um, that lady flicking between all her uh, applications yeah. and it sounded like that was completely random and, and you know was probably of no use and was probably quite stressful for her certainly was for you watching it um I don't you know maybe she did have a strategy to it, it doesn't sound like she did <laughs> but um you know it's and, and I think you've 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 touched on such an important point which is something that that we are learning and appreciating more as um we the more people we speak to and the more research that we read that it's such an individual thing yes. you know one person's um filter they, there's a there's a turn of phrase filter failure where a lot of us don't have a good filter anymore and we're just being bombarded with information I have a really rubbish filter mm. whereas my husband has a really good filter mm. and his I would be a much more extroverted than him he would be more of an introvert and his ability to be able to cope with information coming in at him his ability to like for example if he got an email come into his inbox from one of his clients about a new piece of work he could quite happily not he could see the subject line but quite happily not click on it yeah. to see what it says and I'm like are you mad <laughs> if that came into my I'd be on it straight away yeah. it's just different personality types and how people cope with things yeah. um, are very very different but the flip side of that um, we we heard a piece of research last week that says that there are there is, there are people who like to be this culture of um, being constantly connected they like to be um, they like work to um, be infiltrating their personal life they like the blurry edges yeah um, and that's fine but we still as human beings we still need downtime we still need rest and we still need rejuvenation yeah and as long as we're getting those for me I felt that the lack of calls and the lack of space and the lack of just boredom and this is I'm the Sadie's three and a half months now and um, she's at that age where you know she loves her she loves to watch her sea babies and she loves to watch her Disney movies and all the rest of it but for me um, I like to make sure that that stimulation isn't constant because I think it's really important for the brain and for patients and for lots of different personality traits and yeah. disciplines for us to have time that isn't constant entertainment and constant yeah. interaction and I think that's where the meditation comes into it as well because yeah taking that time out that 10 that 10 minutes out where you know you're in the doctor's surgery and you've got you're waiting half an hour for the appointment um be very easy to sit on your phone whereas I've made a conscious decision because I know but if I do that, it won't give me the downtime that I know that I need. Yeah. It's just for, on a personal level. Yeah. I I make a conscious decision, not necessarily to sit and meditate, but I might just literally just sit and look around me yeah. and not do, not do anything. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very easy to pass judgment on people. Um, as you say, friends or family of yours might look at you and make assumptions, but it's to do with your own conscious, mindful, exactly. managed yeah and I and yeah and um, my example of that I I might do the same as you I probably wouldn't what I might do is practice my French vocabulary using the app that I've got on my phone I might read some articles that I've saved to read when I have an opportunity to do it I might do my emails I might yeah. on Facebook um I might do my brain training app that's on my phone um you know some of those things are, are, are things that I try and do as a routine 
for certain reasons. Um, and it's not because I can't stop myself using my phone. It's because I've chosen, you know, to use it as a tool to learn French, for example. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. It, it is it's very, very individual. So I'm really interested in um, what you now do then from a sort of um, routine point of view at home, bearing in mind you used to work from home, now you don't. And as you said, you don't bring stuff home with you as such. But with your husband working from home, I guess there's there's sort of potential sort of muddying of, of waters as, as well sort of thing so how, how do you op- sort of run that now do you do you have certain things that you specifically do at home and then work is very much in the office or do you do do you sometimes do things at home I mean you can't stop yourself thinking <laughs> about work yeah. at home I guess how, how does that all play out um well I've sort of I have taken it to the the sort of the nth degree in a sense that because I found it so challenging um, working from home and now I'm in this position where I don't have to. I have created quite a big um, barrier between the two. So um, when I leave the office to go back, um, I'm sort of switching off really. Um, And when I get home, my husband will be there and he will be finishing off a piece of work. But then the computer to go into the kitchen to start the dinner and then going back to the so he he'll jump up and down um, from the office um, but probably once it hits about half past six the computer's off and then it's home time yeah um, which works brilliantly for me um, now in the mornings one of the one of the things that I was a big victim of was um checking the email the minute I woke up yeah. whenever I would have had it on the phone um, and that's one of we've got some sort of very basic simple tips that we recommend that people try and use if they feel like they're not in control of the tech and it's sort of running their day um, so now that I don't have email on my phone but what I do now is I turn my phone off at night time and I, tr- I do find myself turning it on probably around 8 o'clock in the morning but that's to see if I've sent a text message, if anybody's written back. It's never really work-related. It's more a personal thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I try to be quite strict with myself um, yeah. and keep keep it all quite separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you say, that that is absolutely what people need to do if, if it's, you know, if that works for them as well as the people, as you say, that perhaps don't do that. I, it's funny, I listen to a lot of that um, stuff around sort of miracle morning and getting up early and having routines. And, and some people say, you know, never check your email until 10 o'clock. And some people say, you know, I do for this, that and the other reason. And, and, and you know, it, it's interesting, the more you read about people's routines and hear what people do, the more you realise, as we've said, it is very much, um, you know, needing to shape something that, that, that suits you um exactly exactly yeah um we one of the um people who came on our pilot session um got in contact the other day to say that she because one of the things that we've suggested is that people people are using their phones as their alarm clock their watch their everything yeah so we suggest that people get an alarm clock um so that that wakes them up in the morning as opposed to having to have their phone beside the bed because yeah. the temptation to then look at your email before you, or your Facebook before you've even stepped, put your toe on the floor is really high. Mm-hmm. And she sent me an email to say she'd got an alarm clock on a house phone and um, it's totally changed 
her sleep yeah. and she feels really productive as a result and stuff. So yeah. um, that's the sort of stuff that I'm that I'm trying to do for myself as well because I just know how, how much better my head feels as a result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I did a, a podcast interview right near the beginning with um, Jason Buckner and we were talking about and wanting to have your email so that you can work in it without it actually um, having new emails dropping in and, and at the time I said there must be a way to do that and I went off to research it and I used Gmail and I found an, a, an app called Inbox Pause and that's what I actually use um, throughout the day so that I don't have any emails coming in so I can still work in my email still you know find things do things send emails but I can't actually see the emails that are coming in until I specifically decide that now is the time to do to deal with those um, and I found that just yeah. so helpful so good well it's like um, I, I know a company called Sync Productive here um, they're based in Brighton and um, Graham Alcock set it up yes. about eight years ago on the yeah. back of his do you know them I know um uh, Grace Marshall, who works with him, and I've I've read his book and stuff, so yeah, I'm aware of them. All right, okay, yeah, um, the stuff that he's doing around email management is brilliant, and um, he talks about email should be um, one of on your list of things to do. Like the way that I'm now managing my work day is I have a list on the left. Um, I have the sort of subheadings. So the first one's emails, second one's calls, the next one's admin. And the next one's decisions, and they're the four that I'm working with at the moment. And within that, emails is one of is one of the areas of work that I have to deal with. So I have to send some emails, um, deal with some emails. And my what I'm trying to do is only go into my inbox to retrieve three times a day. Yeah. Um, when I get in, sort of just before lunch, and then around about three o'clock. Um, and the days I've done it, I felt brilliant, but I'll tell you now, it's really hard. It's hard, and isn't it? See yeah. when you're waiting for, oh my God, when you're waiting for people to come back to you as well, I yeah. refresh, 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 because it's such a discipline and it's such a, a way, and I've actually had to stick pieces of paper on the wall to remind myself, these are the times you're meant to be checking your email, because it, <laughs> it's just this constant flow of distraction yeah. that moves you away from you know, where you're meant to be. Um, yeah. So that's, I do the same, I put my mailbox offline, because mm. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a Mac, um, mm -hmm. And it means that, yeah, you can sort of get on with stuff and not constantly be looking up to see if another little window's popped up yeah. or a little envelope popped up. I think yeah. it's the single biggest uh, thing that's made a difference to me in the last few months. And I read about it all the time. I knew, you know, logically that it was a good thing to do, but I never bothered doing it because I thought it wasn't going to work for me. And actually, now having done it, I realise not only, you know, do, can you do it and does it work? I've, you know, I, I can see how powerful it is. I've, I've always worked on Inbox Zero and I that helps me to do it I, I used to get um yeah. you know things would get out of hand if I was really busy or you know if I had particular days out of the office or whatever um it would all get out of hand but it, it, it you know I'm no further than a day away from sorting emails out all the time now and then I, that's not because I spend all my time doing it it's because of the fact that there's you know there's a process and a system including as you yeah. said you know just yeah. at certain times so um I'm, I'm interested in your your list of four things to, to do, is that, that how you manage your um, to-do list every day? Um, at the moment it is, yeah. yeah. And how does that connect up with sort of projects? Because the thing I, I find as a challenge quite often is that you've got you know big stuff that needs to get done and then lots of little things that need to get done and, and it's that whole you know important and urgent debate when you're prioritising. How, how, do you, um, how, how does your system um, work with that? 
Well, I still find that um, if I break it down into the type of tasks that I have to do um, and work in that sort of batch working way, then it's just a much more effective way for me to work. Yeah. So if I had um, underneath admin, that's really research, reading, um, writing, anything that doesn't really involve communication. So um, I'll definitely find that regardless as to what project it's to do with, if I batch it all together and say that I'm going to spend the next hour on the admin section, it yeah. just feels like I can get into flow a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, mm -hmm. Now, we've only launched in January, so we, we're not exactly, we're not pull, being pulled by different clients in different directions. We've got a number of sessions that we're running um, next month. Um, and we're actually in a preparatory stage at the moment based on a lot of the research that we came across at the conference last week. Once I have 10 clients needing service, the, whether this will work as effectively, yeah, I think it will. It's back, to the, it's back to that basic um, time management thing of batch working. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to try and keep doing it, and hopefully it will just be the way that I'll, that I'll work. You yeah. Know? yeah. So what about... Um, Tools and apps um, that you use to, to help you. Um, we'll say that um, smartphones aren't, aren't on that list. <laughs> well, um, to be honest, most of my um, tools are tools to that I use to encourage me to step away from the screen. Right. Um, and I've now we now integrate those into what we recommend people could maybe try out for themselves. So like an example would be, um, I found myself every time something came into my head that required me to go online, like um, could I could be sitting working on a project on the computer and remember that I've got to pay the childminder or then remember that I've got to make a doctor's appointment or remember that I've got to get my mother's birthday present or whatever. Or it could be, oh, I've got to email that guy back about something. And I felt that I was constantly jumping away from what I was doing to go online to action something. So I decided to start to, every time something came into my head, I would write it down. So um, I got a little pad, and then I just started writing stuff down. And then that would become part of my batch working. So yeah. I would then, a few times a day, action those things by going online and dealing with them. So um, we've now, that's what we, we recommend people just have a little pad and pen and use that to try and keep their focus yeah. whenever they're working through the day. So that's one of my biggest tools. Um, on the app side of things, um, well, I suppose I, I have used um, meditation apps in the past, um, which, again, helped to for me to get, when I found myself especially feeling overwhelmed or like my head was buzzing or I just couldn't concentrate anymore, um, there are some Buddhify is a good, a good uh, meditation app because it's got lots of different lengths of meditation depending on what your situation is, how you're feeling. You can like choose from different lists. Yeah. Um, and Head, Headspace is another one that I would have used before. Um, mm -hmm. But on the sort of work management and how I schedule myself and stuff like that, I don't really have any apps that I would use in that sense. Mm -hmm. Good really. old pen and paper. That's the one that's coming up most often. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, is it? It is, yeah. Are you finding that that's what people are saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's very little overlap in something like 22 interviews. There's been very little overlap. Google Calendar gets a mention regularly. 
the meditation apps do mm. and you mentioned um john cabot singh at, earlier at the beginning kathy mentioned that in the very first podcast we did so sort of quite a bit about mindfulness and meditation but pen and paper that is yeah. the one that's probably been mentioned the most for various well, reasons that's good because i thought i was going to be really weird in like 1982 <laughs> that's good that makes me feel fine <laughs> it's just it's retro it's it's very modern you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we talked about um, meditation, um, which is helping you with your re relaxation. And you said a lot of the, the things that, that you do are about bringing you away from work. How else do you look after yourself? How else do you keep healthy? Assuming you do. <laughs> <coughs> well, yes. Um, well, I, I'm actually seven months pregnant. So prior to this, <laughs> I did, um, I was quite, I, I ran, not, I didn't, would never have gone for it. My colleagues just run the Brighton Marathon. Um, I would never have run for more than 45 minutes, but I used to try and get out um, where we live. We're very lucky in that we're by the river, we're by the Thames, and we've got lots of lovely parks and things. So I would have tried to run. Um, I now walk every day. It's 20 minutes to the office and 20 minutes back. So that definitely helps keep me sane and I find that just yeah. some sort of if I wasn't doing that I just need to be in the fresh air and that really helps set me up for the day mm. um, as I said I'm married to a man who loves to cook so we eat very well which is brilliant apart from anybody out there who has ever had pregnancy nausea I, I've never eaten so many donuts in my life <laughs> for about four months I was donut dolly um, and yeah meditation is really important I still go to a group on a on a Tuesday night for a couple of hours and that's really great yeah. um, and I suppose because I'm quite heavily pregnant and we do have a three and a half year old um, recreation time is reasonably limited but um, Ben and I still if we get the chance try and maybe drop Sadie to nursery on a Monday morning and go for a quick coffee by the river if we can and have make sure that we put each other you know have time together it's not necessarily watching the Game of Thrones. Has anybody seen it? Was this we saw it last night back on season six. Um <laughs> so yeah, just yeah. I'm a, I'm very aware of um just trying to keep that balance in there and um yeah, I'm so glad that the sun's shining and that we can be outside a bit more. Yes, exactly. So what about um sort of learning and 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 doing things better? You've talked about uh going to conferences with with work so there's a focus at the moment on research as far as that's concerned but sort of generally what do you do to, to keep up and, and learn the things that you that you want and need to learn um well i suppose the good thing for me at the moment is that because this topic of um the switched on culture is so it's in the zeitgeist at the moment and a lot of people are talking about it and writing about it and um it's, there's been quite a lot of news coverage around it um, in the press and on TV and radio. Um, it's quite. We've actually started to pull together a like a research folder that's from the press because there's so much stuff coming out. So um, there's a really good variety. The thing for me though is how the hell do you filter through it all because there's so much of it. Yeah. Um, so that sort of informal just reading. Um, I've joined a couple of LinkedIn groups. Um, there's one for um, mindfulness at work um, and they're really great people post up um, articles and comments and research papers um, probably on a daily basis so yeah. I try and take time to um, read up on that um, but as regards formal learning um, nothing at the moment um, 
I would quite like to get back into that maybe some stage, but mm-hmm. for now, yeah, it's just sort of keep my finger on the pulse by reading as much as I can. And when mm-hmm. there's something that's been like Radio Four is quite good on um, a lot of the stuff that we do, so mm-hmm. just listening out. Oh, and po- po- there are quite a lot of podcasts um, that are relevant to our sector as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah just it's squeezing it in when I get the chance. It's interesting when you say formal learning. So I've interviewed um, uh, a lady called oh I can't think of her surname Michelle. Michelle something, Perry, Michelle Perry Slater on a, on a different podcast that I do for Engage with Success recently. We were talking about uh, sort of social learning and, and the more informal learning and how important that is for organisations. And yet we sort of tend to assume that, that you know, you have to do a specific course or, as you said, something more formal. Mm. But actually the things that you're doing are, you know, the, 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 the real sort of key ways of, of learning in this in this sort of information era because there's just information available everywhere whereas you know perhaps 30 40 years ago to get the real cutting edge information you had to go to do a you know a degree or a vocational training course or whatever whereas uh, now it, you know it's all out there it's just about as you said trying to sort of wade through and work out how to exactly yeah you know find the best stuff and and yeah do do what you need to with it sort of thing so um when we we're talking at the beginning we we're, were talking about um sort of recommendations for sort of books films music um and you you said there's a book that you that you would recommend and i'm wondering if it's the one that sprung to mind when we were talking earlier um to me so go go all ahead right book. Yeah. <laughs> um well it's actually a book by um a mindfulness teacher called sharon salzberg who is American, and um, at my meditation group on a Tuesday night, people joke that I am probably on commission, because any chance I get to talk about her, I talk about her, because she's amazing, (laughs) and she has written a book called Happiness at Work, and um, it's really brilliant, because it's all about bringing um, what are essentially Buddhist principles of compassion and kindness and empathy into the workplace. And she has done a lot of training with um, companies um, around these issues. And within the book, she just case studies the whole time. So literally within one page, she might talk about two concepts, but she's backed them up with six people that she's met through these workshops that she's run and what they have found or what they've done in their work lives as a result. Um, And the book also comes with um, loads of meditations comes on a disc with loads of meditations. So um, when I go off on maternity leave, because I haven't got, I've probably, I actually bought myself the um, audio book because she's American and I quite like her voice. So um, I've only listened to about the first two chapters. Um, but when I go off maternity leave, my aim is to listen to the whole thing because um, it's just, it seems to be, going back to the learning thing, um, I've been, now that I'm working in a completely different sector, I'm working in well-being, which I never did before, and I'm attending events, and I'm sitting in the room, and I love, I'm so engaged, and it's so interesting, and it's so great to be sitting in a lecture theatre at a conference, going, God, this is already great stuff, I can't write it down quick enough. Um, so Sharon Salzberg, from a learning point of view, has been absolutely brilliant, and um, I, would, I would recommend anybody to buy that book, because... Um, there's definitely a, a sea change. I was at a, an event last week that was um, organised by the CBI, yeah. and it was all about um, happiness. Does happiness at, do happy employees equal a happy, healthy business? And there was an awful lot being said about the importance of well-being, but not the importance of the bottom line, and about 
business leaders starting to just trust their gut instincts that stress yeah. is a problem. We don't need facts and figures. We just need to re- recognize that it's an issue. We know it in our hearts. It's not about, um, it's not always about profits. It's about hearts and minds and stuff. And um, that's a lot of what Sharon talks about. It's about being com- more compassionate work, being kind to yourself whenever you're under stress, but also thinking about how your colleagues are dealing with things and stuff. So that's mm-hmm. my current top tip, although I haven't actually managed to read the whole thing. But um, I never finish book, any yeah. of my business books. I always read the beginning, think they're amazing. No, I do occasionally finish them. Oh, that's really, it's a really good recommendation. Thank you. And um, I'll, I'll go and check that one out. Um, I was trying to remember the one that I thought you might have been saying. And um, I, I've, I've been um, laughing to myself that I have got it on my uh, Kindle list, but I haven't actually read it yet. <laughs> Um, what is it called the organized mind thinking straight in the age of information overload by a guy called daniel levitin and he's a um, he's a neuroscientist and it's all about the overwhelm of society with technology and um and how you can sort of um you know find your way through that um you know if you understand what it's you know what it's doing to us and, and you know things like um you know that multitasking isn't actually a thing it's just you know switching quickly between lots of different things so um it sort of blows some of those sorts of myths um and it talks about why email is addictive um which talking about the beginning so it might be worth checking checking that one out and and i'm gonna read it having uh bought it and not got that far yeah i don't even read the first two chapters (laughs) and what is it the organized mind yeah, the organised mind thinking straight in the age of information overload. Daniel Levitin. Okay. So um, Super, I'll check that out yeah, definitely. So, what about if things don't go right then? If you have a bad day, I mean, you've you've talked at the beginning about two sort of fairly um, sort of traumatic times in your life, I guess, which one of which uh, spawned a new business. But um, what about if you just have a day that uh, that hasn't gone so well? How do you how do you deal with that? Um, well, how, how I deal with it and, and what impact it has are two very different things. Um, <laughs> my, I, um, my biggest problem really is my sleep. I, I can become sleepless quite quickly if, if I'm, if there's stress going on, mm. especially work stress. Um, and I have, I went actually, I went through a CBT, um, re, reteaching yourself how to sleep. Oh, um, yeah. That was a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was. It was really, really great. You basically have to suppress, completely suppress yourself of sleep. Um, work out how much sleep you're getting. Say you're only getting when you total it up, you're only getting three hours. Well, what you need to do is then, and say then, you, so you're going to bed at eleven o'clock and you're getting up at seven, but you're only having three hours of sleep within that time. What, what you're what you're meant to do is basically then train, retrain yourself. So only allow yourself to have three hours sleep. So right. stay up until, do you know what I mean? Yes. And you have to go through this cleansing your bedroom. So and one of the things is no tech in the bedroom and all the yeah. rest of that. Um, so I went through all of that and I thought I was cured and that was a couple of years ago. But now, I, well being pregnant doesn't really help, but no. now I find as well, if, if stuff's on my mind that, um, or not necessarily where I lie down and I'm consciously aware of thoughts, it's more I just can't, settle and about a year ago I started to get up and write just free write which yep. I've never done before I know people talk about the morning pages and stuff but I've never done any of that and um, I find that if I get up and sit and write for 20 minutes the minute I put my head on the pillow I fall asleep hmm. so that's been really great for me um, yep. as a massive coping mechanism although sometimes I do lie there going I don't want to get up and write I don't <laughs> want to get up and write and um, <laughs> Um, that that happens more often than not at the moment. Um, but generally, 
yeah, what I suppose again because I'm in this situation where I'm seven months pregnant, the way if I had had a bad day, maybe a year ago I might have um, gone home and gone out for a short run or um, you know tried to do something physical. Whereas at the yeah. moment I can't in the same sense. Um, I definitely find speaking to friends on the phone is a good thing because we don't talk in the same way that we used to and especially um, I've got a lot of old school friends and uni friends and stuff but um, I find a good hour and a half of a the phone definitely puts things back into perspective and mm-hmm. sharing stories and what you've been up to um, yeah. but apart from that yeah, yeah I think. That's, that's a lot <laughs> you've got strategies yeah, okay. that's good <laughs> mm-hmm. So what about then on a day where you end the day knowing you've had the chance to live more? So that's where I say it's about doing the stuff that you want to do rather than the stuff that you you know feel you have to do or you should do. What have you done? What does a day look like when you've lived more? Um, probably finished early because I've felt that I've completed what I needed to for the day and collected Sadie from nursery and gone to the park or there's a lot of ice cream in our house we eat a lot of ice cream um, and just had some time outside with her mm. um, is probably for me the biggest thing at the moment um, especially as the weather improves it's so nice to to not have to get home and shut the door and stick mm. the telly on <laughs> or yeah. well no we went through a jigsaw phase recently which is lovely as well but um yeah just spend a bit more time with her um, yeah. Probably. It's amazing, yeah, what spending time with a, a three-year-old uh, does for your sort of uh, being in the moment, yeah, especially when you go for a walk. Oh, yeah. It gives you a whole new perspective on walks, doesn't it, if you take a, yeah. <laughs> a three-year-old yeah. with you. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Excellent. Well, it's been great talking to you. Um, it's been a little bit longer than normal um, because we've gone into a bit more depth on, on some areas, which I think is really really helpful um so really appreciate uh, you spending the time with me laura how can people find out no more problem. about you and connect with you well um on the website the website shineoffline.com um you'll find all the info about us there and um there's a team page on the four of us have a little profile and there's a little link into my story my background and sort of the why we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. um and I'm on LinkedIn as well. But if anybody wants to email me, it's just laura at shineoffline.com. Lovely. Thank you. Really appreciate you joining me. Thanks, Joe. Take care of yourself. Are you a home-based coach or consultant feeling like you need a bit of help? Our Power to Live More Calm membership is designed to meet you where you're at with the help you need in the moment so you can get unstuck, move forwards and get stuff done. You might think this sounds too good to be true or maybe wondering how it would fit with how you work and run your business. Why not have a no obligation chat with Jo to see how she can help you? All you need to do is go to powertolivemore.com slash calm call. Use your power to live more.